This is Cole Zerman, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick in studio. We'll hear from Randy Coonan. He's in Austin, Texas for Potato Expo, and we'll have reports from Whitney Pittman and Tyler Donaldson as well. Light scattered snow is being seen in portions of North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota at this hour. A cold, high-pressure system will bring Arctic air to the region tomorrow, and it will continue into early next week. By Sunday, there will be areas seeing wind chills in the minus 40-degree range. Caution certainly advised. The current continuing resolution is set to expire in a week and a half. That means funding for USDA, the Food and Drug Administration, and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission are among the agencies that will have dollars coming to the end. Eight other appropriation bills will be set to expire in early February. To keep the government running, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said another continuing resolution will be necessary. Over the weekend, House and Senate leadership agreed to an overall spending package. However, House Speaker Mike Johnson is having difficulty convincing the most conservative members of his party to support it. The Republicans have a slim two-vote majority in the House, and Johnson is already receiving criticism from within his own party. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem delivered her State of the State address to the new legislative session, Noem emphasizing the importance of small government and promoting freedom. That includes issues impacting farmers and ranchers. Last year I brought forward legislation that would have stopped foreign adversaries from purchasing ag land in South Dakota. China and other evil foreign governments are executing a plan to own our ag land and to control our food supply. Although last year's proposal to regulate these purchases didn't pass, we've continued to discuss solutions from all those folks that are involved and impacted. Congress has not taken action. We can't really afford to wait another year. And in just the past decade, China's ownership of American ag land has increased by over 5,300%. The South Dakota legislative session is now underway through March. Secretary of Agriculture and Natural Resources Hunter Roberts will testify in front of the House and Senate Ag Committees tomorrow. The annual Sugar Beet Research and Reporting Session in Fargo is history for another year. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman was there and has this report. University of Minnesota Extension soil scientist Anna Cates is continuing research on cover crops in a sugar beet rotation. There are some challenges in getting a cover crop in the ground, but there has not been a statistical drop in yields using cover crops. We're trying cover crops before beets. Can we get a fall seeded cover crop in and get more benefits in terms of protecting from wind erosion than you would from just a spring seeded cover crop? You can also prevent some of the water erosion that's more of an issue in some of our hillier landscapes um, unless so maybe in the valley. It's not easy to grow cover crops in a beet rotation. That said, you have a great opportunity to grow cover crops before sugar beets in the valley. If you're following wheat, you always have a chance to get a cover crop in. So that can be a really nice opportunity opportunity and we're going to look and see if whether you get more soil benefits with that fall seeded cover crops compared to the spring seeded ones but both of them can produce fine sugar beet yields. 
While Cates has not looked at reseeding rates using strip-till, growers are happy with results. We haven't specifically looked at whether cover crops can keep you from having to reseed in a big wind erosion event, but the growers I work with, you know, in the in the Polk County area, they've really talked anecdotally about how happy they are with a strip-till system or leaving some more wheat stubble there to protect the, the beet seedlings. They can really see a lot of benefit when you have those big wind erosion events like we've had in the last couple of years. This year seems to be a better year for estimating wind erosion over winter. It's been so far a little bit more of an open winter, and that's good for our opportunity to look at how much dust is moving through the air. We have some collectors out in Polk County and then down in Renville County to look at wind-eroded sediment in beet fields after beets. If you have a cover crop versus not, can we see how much sediment is moving around? So we should have some actual numbers to attach to that. Our first year, the 22-23 uh, winter, a lot of snow, didn't see much. Maybe this year we'll see a little more. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Hoodie Rebels have launched their largest attack to date on commercial shipments on the Red Sea. That happening overnight. A bombardment of drones and missiles were used, but U.S. and British navies were able to shoot them all down. No damage being reported. Potato Expo beginning today in Austin, Texas. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Randy Conan is there. Don, the Potato Expo gets underway this morning with the annual Potato Business Summit put on by United Potato. Following that, Potato Expo officially opens up. Uh, going on this year, they've got three big, uh, three stages going on with concurrent events uh, throughout session, uh, er covering everything from uh, reaching the TikTok generation to a potato roundtable, as well as uh, the the state of AI for the potato industry and, and integrated pest management, looking at uh, different markets for the potato industry. Our reports from Potato Expo on the Red River Farm Network brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Syngenta, the National Potato Council, Gowan, Bayer, and AMVAC. From Potato Expo in Austin, Texas, for the Red River Farm Network, I'm Randy Conan. South Dakota Pork Congress beginning this morning in Sioux Falls. South Dakota Pork Producers Association President Adam Kraus calls this event Pig Farmer Christmas. It's a big reunion. Um, some people a lot smarter than me once told me, you know, we, we come for the pigs and we stay for the people in this industry, and that, uh, that's really encompassed in this, in this uh, gathering of, of the 55th Annual Pork Congress and Trade Show. At the beginning of this year, fair-to-finish hog producers saw losses of nearly 60 bucks a head. Everybody in the pork industry has skin in the game one way or another, but uh, one check relies on another check, and, it, and it's, uh, it's an industry that, that hopefully we, we find a way to change these economics. Some of those discussions are, are being had of, you know, is, it, is this a supply issue or is this a demand issue? Um, can we look beyond our borders a little bit and look for more free trade and export markets? It's a, it's a large discussion, I think. But, um, yeah, for the most part, I think producers are we're, we're pretty good at gritting our teeth through in these tough times because, uh, because the good times hopefully are on the horizon. National Pork Producers Council CEO Brian Humphreys and National Pork Board Senior Vice President Brett Kaysen We'll discuss the current challenges facing the swine industry this morning at that Sioux Falls event. 
USDA is awarding more than $203 million to 70 ag groups to support export markets. Nearly $175 million of that going through the Market Access Program. That includes nearly $13 million for the U.S. Meat Export Federation, $8.6 million for U.S. Grains Council, $5.5 million for the American Soybean Association, and $5 million for the National Potato Board. Uh, the Foreign Market Development Program will be allocating $27 million to 20 trade groups. The American Soybean Association receiving the largest amount at $7.7 million. U.S. Wheat Associates gaining $3.4 million. U.S. Grains Council, $2.8 million. USDA will be releasing its supply-demand estimates on Friday. Uh, the grain stocks numbers and an update on wheat seedings also coming Friday morning. The only... Uh, the market itself, rather, will be also be dealing with a long weekend with the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday on Monday. Midwest Market Solutions President Brian Hoops says that'll have an impact. We'll be able to trade that report, thankfully, because it is at 11 and we can trade it for a couple hours. Uh, then people can kind of square up positions again. But um, with the report, uh, and then you have virtually a three-day weekend. They'll trade Monday night once again. But uh, markets being closed that long, you're, you're going to be looking at uh, kind of a volatile open, I think, not so much from the report, but from what happens as far as the latest weather forecast. You know, we're looking at a wet stretch of weather here, but by end of the month, there's some indications that we may start to dry things out in Argentina once again. The ICR Investor Conference in Orlando is underway. It features companies representing everything from robotics to fast food. West Fargo-based Titan Machinery was on that stage yesterday. A question came up regarding the right to repair legislation. President and Chief Operating Officer B.J. Knutson said Titan Machinery supports its customers having the ability to fix their own equipment. What we're against is the right to modify, which is actually the driver behind some of this. Uh, as you look at it, starting back with the Tier 1 emission standards all the way up to Tier 5 that we have today, uh, a lot of that deaf fluid and, and the uh, deaf injectors and so on has been, and the regen has been a frustration point for a, a lot of customers. And so they're looking to bypass some of that. So I'll leave that to the EPA to figure out, you know, within them, themselves with some of this. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The University of Minnesota is developing a new method for detecting plant aphids using satellite imagery. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has more. University of Minnesota professor and extension specialist Robert Cook shares details about a new satellite-based form of pest detection and how this process could one day benefit farmers across the country. satellite system that we're using is pretty attractive because it has sensors that detect the right kinds of wavelengths of light or energy that are being reflected by the plants. You know, So it's the sun's energy coming down, hitting the plants, and then getting reflected. And certain parts of that energy being reflected are important for measuring plant health. And these sensors on this Sentinel-2 satellite system are capturing these right kinds of wavelengths of energy. So that was attractive. The data are publicly available, and the satellite are circling over our part 
of the world on a pretty regular basis. Cook says that the project is still in the earlier stages of development and that application of the team's findings is a couple of years away. This is a proof of concept here, right, to verify that we can detect these infestations in our fields using these, these uh, data collected from satellite. The work we need to do now is to make this information available or actionable, right? So developing a system for, you know, acquiring these data, doing all the behind-the-scenes processing, and then having some kind of a platform then where a grower, you know, a large grower or a small grower could access that system, identify their field, and then, uh, you know, get the information they need throughout the growing season. On the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. The Renewable Fuels Association and Growth Energy have filed separate petitions in federal court seeking a rehearing of a previous case. The EPA rejected 100 small refinery waiver requests for the renewable fuel standard. The ethanol groups contend the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals was not the proper venue for that case. RFA and Growth Energy are saying the Clean Air Act specifies the Washington, D.C. Federal Appeals Court is the only appropriate court to hear these issues because of the national ramifications. As we check markets this morning, we are at steady money for Minneapolis wheat. The March contract at 7.05. The May contract, 7.15 and a quarter, a half penny higher. Chicago wheat for March down one and three quarters. Hard red winter wheat March down four and three quarters. The corn market March two and a quarter down 4.57. July down two cents. March soybeans down four and a half, twelve forty-four. May down by four and a quarter cents. Of course, keep in mind we have a supply-demand report, along with the grain stocks and winter wheat seeding numbers all coming out on Friday. As we check in on the farm calendar, uh, the small grain update meetings continuing this week. Things start this morning at eight in Ada at the uh, event center. In Crookston, note the new location. Uh, they're going to be held at the Northwest Research and Outreach Center at the uh, University of Minnesota Crookston campus. A noon start today for their meeting in Crookston. They'll be in Hallock tomorrow and uh, Rozo as well, St. Hilaire on Friday. Have yourself a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.